0: on the Steelers Afternoon Drive with our co-hosts, Alan Saunders and Zachary Smith.
1: Welcome into another episode of Steelers Afternoon Drive. I'm Zachary Smith. That is Alan Saunders on his Steelers Afternoon Drive. Alan, what's going on?
0: Just leaving the practice facility. Weird Thursday because it is a Thursday and yet it is not a Thursday. Because we have a Monday game, and so some things, today felt like a Thursday. Some things today felt like a Wednesday. Don't ask me what day it is, but it's today. And we got lots of news, and we can talk about that and all kinds of other stuff. Talk to coordinators today. Uh, I had a really good conversation with Dan Moore. Um, mm-hmm. So all kinds of stuff going on.
1: I'll tell you why it does feel like a Thursday to me, Alan. We got Vikings-Eagles tonight. I got Justin Jefferson on my fantasy team. Obviously, you know, I'm expecting him to carry my team every week. So that's why it feels like a Thursday to me, regardless.
0: I have Justin Jefferson and I have Jordan Addison in my one league, both of them, which is um, not ideal. But, like, I mean, obviously they're both very good players, just the both of the Minnesota Mm. Vikings passing offense together is not necessarily ideal.
1: I know this isn't a Vikings podcast, but no James Bradbury for the Eagles. You assume Darius Slay's going to see a lot of Justin Jefferson. Jordan Addison could be in for a big day.
0: I also um, like the Jordan Addison play, so I mean that's why we're doing it. But And, and yeah. not benching Justin Jefferson for anything, so good Vikes. Yep. Uh,
1: All
0: yeah, right. It does feel like a Thursday in that regard. We're getting back into yes. the football-watching rhythm of the season. I like that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Um, All right, so let's go over some news and notes here. Some transactions were made today. I asked yesterday about why Cam Hayward maybe wasn't put on the IR yet. He was put on the IR today. Um, Des Fitzpatrick being called up from the practice squad to 53-man roster. I asked about him yesterday as well. So I think the Steelers maybe listened to yesterday's show and were like, Let's get this Zachary Smith satisfied with what he's asking here. Let's make sure these boxes are checked for him before tomorrow's show. So I appreciate them doing that. Um, Des Fitzpatrick, does I he get a helmet? I
0: saw Art today at practice, and I was like, and "That's what he said." You, yeah, you're getting Smithy what he needs, and he's like, "Yeah, we got to take care of
1: him." <laughs> All right. Well, if, next time you see him, also say, "I'm not so sure that I'm in on this whole Ireland game thing, if it's going to oh, be losing a home game." So yeah. So maybe yeah, throw that in that there. Okay. If he's actually listening to what I say. Um, as far as Des Fitzpatrick goes, though, I, I brought him up yesterday, but I want to know your thoughts on this. Like, could he actually have a role on Monday other than just, you know, being part of the 53-man roster? Will he be active? Will he have a helmet? And could he be part of the game plan?
0: I mean, he showed some aptitude in terms of, like, special teams coverage that I think leads me to believe that he could get a helmet. But I I don't know. I mean, they, Gunner was a healthy scratch last game. Right. Uh, you know, and that you figure you know they're short, a player at wide receiver and a player at defensive tackle. You know, can't, so two guys that dressed last week are not going to dress, right? Cam and, and Deontay, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would assume that Armin Watts is going to dress because he's practicing with the first team today. So, like, I'm pretty sure that Armin Watts oh, wow. is going to dress at defensive tackle. I'm pretty sure that Gunner is going to dress – as a wide receiver. So where does the other helmet come from? You know, like you're going to have to now anything McFarland mm-hmm. didn't practice today. So maybe if yep. he is not a hundred percent, maybe then they would draft or uh, dress a sixth wide receiver. Um, but you can't dress one fewer offensive lineman. The rules don't allow it. I don't think they're going to scratch Connor Hayward. There's nowhere else to take another body from on the offense. So I would be a little bit surprised if Justin Shatrick gets a helmet, but I mean, I think the, the McFarland injury does open the door, I guess, in some way for that to happen.
1: Yeah. Well, we'll talk about McFarlane in a second too. Uh, the, the other like quick hitter things here, them bringing Greg Bell, Luke Barku back to the practice squad, Josiah Scott's um, off of it, right, injured reserve list, yeah. and then Anthony Brown. Uh, Release from the practice squad A name that we actually brought up Because it was kind of He was like the one name That was really random When they signed the practice squad players A veteran that came over A lot of experience with the Cowboys So uh, I mentioned Could he push James Pierre At some point down the line If Pierre didn't perform As the fourth cornerback Well, Anthony Brown's no longer On the practice squad, so
0: Yeah, it seems like they kind of took a flyer on a guy Who was trying to come back from injury And maybe just wasn't able to I don't really know I mean, I, I can't say I saw a lot of them in the yeah. two weeks that he was here. But, uh, yeah, it doesn't seem like that worked out. Barku uh, has some upside as a playmaker. We'll see. Didn't think he get a great training camp? Greg Bell, I thought, was the fourth best of the running backs in the preseason. And, obviously, injured. injury to Anthony McFarlane gives the, op- the the option of then, you know, somebody like Bell or Claudio Allison being called up from the practice squad to play, although, I don't know, we'll see.
1: Um, as far as the injuries go, obviously they're still listing Deontay Johnson on the report because they haven't placed him on IR or anything like that, but he was an obvious did not practice today, but Anthony McFarland with a knee injury did not practice today. This just kind of, at least to me, came out of nowhere with him. Is this something that happened in practice yesterday or what exactly, how did this happen?
0: Yeah, I mean, I haven't talked to him, but it, it... Certainly seems like it was in practice yesterday um, or somehow since the game. Uh, he, he didn't seem like he was injuring the game. I don't know what his prognosis is, but, I mean, we talked about him. as kind of one of the few bright spots from that game. I thought he was really yeah. good on kickoff returns. He he looked good in that roll out of the backfield. So it would be, a, a I think, a significant blow if, if he's unable to play. Um, so I, I think something to watch, certainly. Like, I, like he was pretty good in that game so uh, i don't know i don't know what the issue is and and what it propped up but uh, it's new and we'll see uh if he practices again tomorrow do have the extra day so usually Mm -hmm. friday would be the kind of he's got to practice or he's not going to play now i guess you can push that back to saturday's practice before we make any final judgments
1: calvin austin their number one punt returner is he kick returner too or would that be like a gunner or
0: Jalen Warren, maybe Gunner Austin. Those Des Fitzpatrick actually, yeah, also. and Desmond King. Desmond King, if he's Ooh, dressed, yeah. he is a good kick returner. But again, was not dressed in that first game, so I don't know if they would do that just to get him back there. Scratch James Pierre. It's not um, not crazy to think they could switch those two just to get a a better kick returner in the lineup. That's certainly an option.
1: Yeah. Um, and then limited participation from to core for James Daniels, Pat Frymuth, Larry Ogunjobi kind of goes along with what we felt was going here. I, I still think, you know, Chooks in the concussion protocol being limited in a conversation we had yesterday about Broderick seeing time on the right side and Dan Moore staying on the left side. Dan Moore's comments about that with Broderick maybe being a more natural player than he is on the right side. Um, one day later, where are we at now with that tackle situation with Chooks being limited today?
0: Yeah, I mean, I, not really any update in terms of Chooks, just because it's a concussion protocol, so no one's allowed to talk to him, no one's allowed to talk about it. Uh, it's really kind of dumb, but that's just the rules the NFL has put in place to try to protect guys with with head injuries. Um, okay. And so we won't really know if Chooks is going to play. Probably, right? Like my guess is he's going to get listed as questionable, um, no matter what, but. I think that Chooks is going to play. um, And I think that, you know, but it would not surprise me if they've decided that if he doesn't, Dan Dan Moore will stay at left tackle and Broderick Jones will play right tackle. Dan talked today, just very frankly, and said, hey, he looks more comfortable over there than I do. Um, Jones did play right tackle at Georgia his sophomore year and a little bit his junior year. He also said that, like, last year at Georgia, him playing right tackle if there was an injury to the starting right tackle was kind of the plan, and he practiced that right tackle a good bit last year at Georgia. Mm. He, he said they flipped. Just something they're doing that that if, if Tukes can't play, that we really will see Roger Jones a right tackle. And, like, the fact that it's Miles freaking Garrett also, like, yeah just don't don't feed your guy to that guy for first first start like don't don't do that
1: yes uh not necessarily an enviable enviable position there and on the other side we've talked about it too like tj watt going against the jones after they've lost jack conklin so you know there is a there's a chance there that we see two rookie tackles going against tj watt and miles garrett on monday night which uh if you're a fan of neither one of these two teams, but just an outsider perspective, that w- could be very fun to watch. If that's your team, probably
0: not. Also, if you're a fan of like quarterbacks getting abused, you, you might enjoy <laughs> that as well. Um, I think the Steelers will do whatever they can to hide uh, Broderick Jones from Miles Garrett. And uh, you know Garrett does move around a little bit in terms of outside-inside, but when he is outside, he usually does play huh. on that right side most of his perhaps the last two years have come against Dan Moore and Dan Moore has done pretty well against miles Garrett. You know, I think that is a matchup maybe, like, look, the Steelers are obviously not super happy with Dan Moore as their left tackle. They wouldn't have gone out and drafted Baradar Jones in the first round if they were, but I mm-hmm. do think that particular matchup, they're kind of okay with, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's a couple of former Aggies to both Texas A&M guys, but Moore seems to do well against Garrett, and I think they're comfortable with him playing there, more comfortable than they would be by far than uh, rookie Broderick Jones making his first start against the All-Pro.
1: You mentioned Miles Garrett moving around, and I immediately thought of that clip of him doing the crossover thing before rushing, yeah.
0: Just dancing.
1: Wonderful. We'll break it out again on, on Monday night. Um, I wanted to – okay, so let's talk about the offensive line here real quick because multiple people on the coaching staff now – tomlin canada mentioned they didn't feel like the offensive line was that bad on sunday's game against the 49ers where pretty much the entire line graded pretty poorly per pro football focus uh alan i'm gonna give you a a moment here to to step onto your soapbox if you will and uh and let's have a conversation about this offensive line's performance on sunday
0: Well, it's interesting because, so according to Pro Football Focus, Dan Moore was the worst offensive line in the NFL in week one. Mm -hmm. And the Steelers, as an offensive line, were the worst pass-protecting offensive line in the league. And then if you look at ESPN Sports Info Solutions, the Steelers actually got the best pass-protection grade as an offensive line. So we have literally one outlet saying they were the (laughs) worst And another saying they were the best. I actually saw somebody tweet like an aggregation of those two. And there was a third metric that I'm not familiar with. And it was like Steelers. It was like zero, 140. Like, so I, were they they great? Were they awful? Were they average? I don't know. Depends on who you ask. I asked Dan Moore that very question today. And Dan said, look, we don't pay attention to that stuff. So I don't really know what you're talking about, but you know, Obviously, we have areas that we feel like we can improve, but you know, I, it was not like we felt like it was a, a disastrous performance when you're holding Nick Bosa to one hurry and two tackles. Like, you've got to be doing something okay, and that was obviously a big part of what they game planned for in that game. And so um, not to say that PFF is wrong in their grade of Dan Moore. It's just their opinion, and and that's fine. But I do think that like one of the real criticisms of Pro Football Focus is that it loses a lot without context. Like, you can't just grade an offensive lineman on did he win this rep or did he lose this rep. Add up the the, the totals and give him the score, right? Like, there's context here that matters. Like. Mm-hmm. Blocking Nick Bosa is a lot harder than blocking you know, whoever, right? Blocking TJ Watts is a lot harder than blocking Alex Highsmith if you're facing the Steelers. When you're in a game when you're losing by 20 points the entire game, that, def- that edge rusher knows they're rushing the passer on every single down. They are never afraid of you shooting out a run stance and pancaking them. So it becomes harder to do that job because of the context of the game. It's also harder to do that job in the context of the game. The more you do it, you know, like the the more pass block reps you have, you're giving that edge rusher more and more information about you, the way you set, the way you move your feet. You're letting them trial and error 10 different moves against you over a course of a game because you're giving them that many pass rush reps. It gets harder and harder and harder to keep winning. And you see the Steelers, give up five sacks in this game, three of them come in the last drive of the game because they know they're not going to run. There's no worry about a run. And they've been working against the same guy all game. They've now figured out what works. And so there is all of you lose when you grade and you just look at each rep as a win loss, you lose all of the context that is surrounding that rep in terms of the game environment, in terms of the quality of the opposition, and that's why – that's what I think, like, you can't tell me that Dan Moore was the worst offensive lineman in football last week because the Steelers gave up two garbage-time times. because he gave up two garbage-time sacks on the last drive of a 20-point game. Like, those snaps didn't – I mean, other than, like, you don't want to get Kenny Pickett hurt, like, nothing matters about what happens on that play. Like, there, mm-hmm. like, there's just so much context that's missing there that I think – I, look, I think PFS stuff is generally good. And if you like sort their rankings by the highest graded player, like generally the best players are at the top and the worst players are at the bottom. But when you're talking about like small samples of one game and who did what, I think that context matters a lot to me more than like who won or lost the most reps.
1: Yeah, not taking into consideration the situation that's at hand. I think it was – and it's funny that we were talking about the Eagles and Vikings earlier, and I said this isn't either one of those podcasts, but I'm pretty sure it was Darius Slay a couple years ago that had like a very poorly graded game by PFF, and he was like – he started going at them about it, and he was like, they have no idea what even coverage we were in. Like, if you're not taking into consideration what we were doing without knowing what we were doing, how are you grading me and saying I didn't do my job?
0: Yeah, I mean, like, sometimes – a good player gets given a harder job and struggles with it because they're a good player. And that doesn't mean that they're worse than the bad player that was giving a sheltered role and did better with it. Right? Like that, that's, that's a real thing that happens all the time, especially in coverage. Right? I mean, like if you're covering, if you're playing the, the Buffalo bills and, and I, if, if me and you are the two corners, and I cover Stefan Diggs all the game, all day long, and I give up 10 catches for 80 yards and no touchdowns, and you give up three for, for 50 and, and two touchdowns to Gabe Davis, guess what? I did better than you did because my job was a heck of a lot harder than your job was, even though like, my stats don't reflect that because I give up more catches and, and more yards. Like, that's just not the way it works. Yeah, Absolutely. And
1: uh, listen, this is actually normally people get on you in the comments, but if you're gonna, you know, go against PFF here, you might actually get some favorable comments today from the Steelers fans, Alan.
0: Can't win them all, can't lose them all. I guess is, is the way it works. Yeah. But no, I, I, I think that look, and I use PFF all the time. There's a ton of stuff yeah. on that website that has a lot of value that goes beyond mm-hmm. the grades. And I think the overall, like, if you're talking about like a season-long grade, they've probably got it mostly right. Like one week, you're not telling me much, right? I, I need more contact. The context matters. When you're talking about one game, the context matters more than that grade does. Over the course of a season or a career, yeah, they're probably doing a fair job of, of capturing how good a You know, if the Steelers sign a new guy tomorrow and it's like the Steelers have signed offensive linemen. And Buxton, you're like, who the hell is this guy? Oh, I don't know. A.F.M. says he's a 78. Oh, he's probably pretty good. Like, you can believe that. But, uh, you know, the, the micro scale stuff, snap to snap, wrap to wrap, one game's worth of work, I have a really hard time um, putting stock into it because of that lack of context. Like, if the Steelers go out, like, like I'm sure the 49ers offensive linemen all graded real well because, they did nothing but hand the ball off all game and Christian McCaffrey broke a million tackles, but like, was that them? Or was that Christian McCaffrey? Like like you, you need more context to really know whether a player is good or just a product of a good situation or bad, or just a product of a bad situation.
1: I also think, you know, the general fan only sees what they are putting on their social media platforms and not actually you like going to the site and yeah, utilizing all the things you talking like about.
0: Intentionally um, yeah. I don't know what the right word is.
1: Engagement like, farming.
0: Yeah, right. Well, you're saying stuff that you know is gonna get a reaction out of people. It's exactly yeah. what it is. Right. And and so and that's not necessarily the totality of what they're doing. Um not that I'm Like pitching their product but if you actually like (laughs) yeah sign up for it and read all the grades they're generally a lot more sensible than like one or two you might see on social media which are there to get attention
1: yeah and i think a lot of people would be surprised by that just like matt canada was surprised by how poorly the offense started uh on sunday well i say started but i just mean week one in general because obviously things didn't get better as that specific game went along um he talked today, Matt Canada did and said he was surprised by the offense's output in week one. What did you make of those comments? And like, as he was explaining his answer there, did he make sense to you? Could you get on board with what he was saying?
0: Yeah. So he also said the offensive line was pretty good. Um, yeah. And he said that um, he was very surprised by the whole offense, not playing that well. And specifically, Kenny Pickett not playing that well? He said, that's not, how we've practiced. That's not who we've been. Um, He said he doesn't understand it. It's not acceptable. Took the ownership of it. Um, But, you know, said that, like, I don't expect to continue because that's not who we've been. And so if you back to our, was that our Monday podcast when you and I kind of said, hey, like, why do do we believe Kenny is going to turn it around? I think Matt's answer to that was, well, look, if he just goes back to being the guy that he's been in training camp in preseason at practice every day from the last year, I feel pretty good about this. And I think that's a good answer. Um, it's probably the only answer that Matt Canada can give. But I think that feels like a reasonable answer to me, too. What, what, what do you think about that?
1: I think he answered it as best as he could have. I typically don't like Matt Canada's is not going to give you much, right? I think we all know that as we see from his quotes and you hear firsthand, but I don't really know how else he would have answered that. It, it is kind of like tying into the way that we talked about the the conversation with Kenny just being like baffled by what we saw. Like it was a different version of bad from Kenny Pickett in this game than when he was bad as a rookie. Like those growing pains were expected in this game. He's just missing open receivers by yards, multiple yards, high, low, way off target, everything that you could imagine, just bad quarterback play that was super unexpected. So this answer, I think, is exactly what he should have said.
0: Yeah. He also was asked, and there's been, um, well, look, not Canada's an easy punching bag. I actually felt like he he did a fine job of calling that game. I didn't think there was, like, anything – egregiously wrong with the play selection especially when you go back and look at the tape and you see all the plays that were there to be made that were just not made by the offense and we talked yesterday about whether or not they abandoned the run too quickly and he kind of addressed that he basically said he felt like Mm -hmm. you know if we had just gone out there and kept running the ball it looks like we're not even trying to get back into it like he said he feels like you have to try to win the game even if that's not what you wanted to do that has to take precedence over hey this was our game plan and this is how we feel like we're we operate the best it's like there comes a point where that can't matter anymore and you just got to go try to do whatever you think you can do to win the, the football game so I, I thought that was interesting i'm not 100 percent sure I, I totally agree with that but I mean, it's at least like a a legitimate answer to the question of did they abandon the run too quickly?
1: Yeah, and I'm not saying we're all going to agree on things. There may have been other things that I'm missing, but I watched the all 22 back. There was like a total of two plays where I was like really scratching my head. And when you think about how many plays are in a football game, how many plays the Steelers ran, that's not that bad for a Matt Canada offense to only have two plays where you're really questioning what they were doing on them.
0: Yeah, the four verts on fourth down from the, yeah. what, the four eight-yard line, something like that. Like, that one yeah. I, I, I do not really get. It. But other than that, I, there wasn't really anything else that I was, like, really, like, mind blown by. The one thing I did see him on social media getting a lot of pushback on was, like, running the same concepts over and over again. And he mm-hmm. sort of addressed that without, like, head-on addressing it today. So he was asked a question, a really good question, um by – Ray Fittipaldo, the Post Gazette, um, and so it also d- tied into that criticism that Ben Roethlisberger levied that he didn't think that Matt did enough to kind of get Kenny Pickett going. And Ray said, you know, "Like, are there things that you do, are there plays that you call when your quarterback is struggling that you go to?" And Matt was like, "Yeah, we did that a lot." And and so it's pretty clear to me, you know, connecting the dots that like these plays that Canada is getting criticized for calling over and over again, these are the plays that Kenny really likes. That's in this playbook that he feels really confident with. And then maybe Mm -hmm. they had a little bit of success with, and Canada is just trying to do literally anything to get his quarterback going. Even if that means calling the same play over and over again, because that's the one he feels the best about. And I think that to me makes so much sense. Like, and and it also really underscores how bad Kenny was in that game that Canada's out here calling his favorite plays over and over again and he's still not executing them well.
1: Yeah, I think that's been like the message that I've tried getting across to people having conversations about Sunday's game is, you know, I get it. Like we mentioned, Matt Canada is an easy punching bag, but if Kenny just executes these plays, even if they're maybe not the most creative or you're not seeing exactly what you want to see in terms of the preseason carrying over, we aren't having this conversation right now. I don't know if they win this football game, but the offense at least would have put up some more points and that would have been a competitive football game if Kenny just translated what we had seen and what he had looked like to that game on Sunday.
0: Yeah, I mean, like the very first third down of the game, they run this same shallow cross concept that we're talking about. And he has Mm -hmm. Calvin Austin. He's short of the sticks, but he's got a chance to make it there. It's an easy pitch and catch completion. Maybe you get to fourth and one and you can be aggressive if it's just an inch or two. Instead, he pulls it down, really ill-advised, running around, loses 10 yards. Then it's a bad punt. And then it's the ball at the 46 or the 49ers, and you're starting their de- your defense with one foot in the grave. You know, I think like that, that it's, you know, if, if they if they play better, if Kenny plays better, even if it's not good enough to win, then you bring the running game, all those things we talked about before, then the running game comes back into the equation. Then you give yeah. Najee Harris, Jalen Warren, and that offensive line a chance to keep you in the game. And they just never did that. I, and really, like, again, Cam is not perfect. You can nitpick any play caller you want. I saw JTS Elvin was was nitpicking Cal Shanahan from that game. I'm like, come on, man, really? Like, b- but you always can. Like, there's always stuff you yeah. can look at and say, like, this could have been different. This could have been better. The problem with that game was 0% play calling, it was 100% execution from the offense and mostly from the quarterback. I mean, you can, the the cleats, I guess, the quarterback and the equipment (laughs) guy. Like, that's that's one and two in terms of what went wrong with that offense while there was still a chance to do something about that game getting out of hand. And what happens in the second half after they give up the long touchdown doesn't really matter that much. Um, But, yeah. I mean, I think that's, I don't know. I, I think calling the same concepts when that's what your quarterback wants you to call and he's struggling and you're willing to do whatever you can to get him going. I think it makes a lot of sense. And Kenny was turning him down, man. Like he, he wasn't throwing it when it was open. So I think that's that's emblematic of the problem there. And um, it was not, again, totally believe Coach speak is coach speak. You're going to get lied to every day in this job. But when he says, I didn't see that coming. I totally believe him because I didn't see it coming either. I've been watching the same practices as he's been watching for the last six months.
1: Yeah, I would agree. We've spent a lot of time, Alan, this week, basically, I feel like every single day at some point talking about Kenny's performance in this game. And again, he has every opportunity to right the ship and turn it around starting with Monday night. But I wanted to highlight a comment here from YouTube kind of because we've you know, talked so poorly about Kenny's performance in this game. Monongahela Mike, which, by the way, man, what a fitting name this is to comment on Steelers' afternoon drive.
0: Mike, Kenny I to know, are you actually from Monongahela, as in like the town of Monongahela, PA, home of Joe Montana, or are you just from along the Monongahela somewhere, like yeah. between Pittsburgh and Fairmont, West Virginia? Mike, leave us a comment. I want to know, where, where, where <laughs> on the Mon are you? And if you're from Monongahela, I mean, obviously there's no divided allegiances here. You're you're going all Steelers despite the hometown guy being the Niners legend. Interesting. True. Carry on.
1: True. I'm taking this. I, I actually think they typed this comment while floating on the Monongahela River. That's how I'm wanting to okay. view this at least. Um, they say Kenny sucked. Josh Allen sucked. Joe Burrow sucked. CJ Stroud outplayed Lamar Jackson in a loss. We need to breathe deep. It was a bad day for some pretty good quarterbacks. One out of seventeen. It ain't over until my mother-in-law starts singing. Here we go. All
0: right, Mike. Maybe you don't want to give away all the details about your personal life because the mother-in-law shot is going to be something. <laughs> like, let's just be real about this. Like, bro to bro, like you better hope your identity uh, is well well disguised because yeah, you can't be you can't be putting that one out there like that. Also uh, wait, but, hold
1: on. Their picture on YouTube, like you know, it shows like a profile picture. It's it's Iron City's logo.
0: That's a good start. That's a good start. <laughs> okay, Mike, if you don't want to reveal your location for a very specific reason, we're we're okay with it. We're okay. Um I mean, I get all that. I get all that. But Kenny does not have the kind of track record of success a guy like Joe Burrow or Lamar Jackson or Josh Allen has that makes you more confident that those guys will turn things back around and quickly. And that, that last part of it is important, right? Like I, I don't have any doubt that Kenny Pickett will get better than that. Um, but it's it's got to be like now. Like it can't be a four-week warm-up to get back to where he was last season. Uh, this season will be over if that, if that happens. And so um, I think that's the, the reason I have trepidation more than I would have asked a Bengals podcast or a, you know, yeah Baltimore Ravens podcast.
1: I would agree. I mean, that that's that's what I was going to say as well. Those guys have a track record to show that they are going, that they can play at a higher level and prove it. Kenny is, we're going off of what we saw and what we hope that we see translate from a preseason in training camp and just, thinking that the work ethic is there for him to get better and to take Tomlin's words that football justice will come to fruition for Kenny Pickett. That's what we have to go based off of not the track record of those players that have, you know, been in MVP conversations. And in Lamar Jackson's case has won an MVP. I, so I really can't put him in that same category as those other three.
0: But I appreciate the one of 17 calm down. Like I think in general, the, um, the woes have been overblown a bit this week, and I get it because it's not just the loss; it's the way it went down, and then the injuries. Right? I mean, it's a big, mm-hmm. it's a multi-layered psychological uh, loss here for the Steelers and the Steelers fans. But I mean, it it still is just one game, and that's it, a long season, and a lot is going to happen between now and the end of it.
1: Yeah absolutely all right well alan uh tell the people where they can find you and uh oh is it gonna it's gonna be me and somebody else tomorrow right
0: i don't know we haven't like, made any firm plans okay. but I, right. might be Nick i'll be right. here right, we'll
1: see i'll be here we'll along see. with somebody
0: else tune in it's like the it's like the the tv trope where it's like someone will die on tomorrow's episode <laughs> like you don't know so right dear. like yeah, just someone will be here with smitty on tomorrow's episode tune in to find out I like At AceHoders underscore PGH on X At PGH Steelers Now is the site SteelersNow.com is where the words live YouTube at PGH Steelers Now Like and subscribe Closing on that 10K Let's get there And let's have a, a rock concert
1: Yeah, I'm um, I'm feeling it I think Let's do it next week By next week right. I want to see that at oh, 10K oh,
0: Also, uh, last day SteelersNow.com We're having a uh, promotion With PointsBet and Fanatics Today oh, yeah. is the last day $50 uh, initial sign up, first bet, and you get a $150 coupon for Fanatics that gets you a free official Steelers jersey or whatever else you want. And uh, th- today's the last day. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do because I've never signed up for points bet. So I'm going to use our own promo and then I'm going to give away the Steelers jersey that I pay for. But you got to tell me what you guys want. So leave a comment. What jersey should I get? When I do the promo, and uh, I'll pick whichever one I like because I'm—that's just how I roll. And then we'll go from there, and then we're going to give it away here uh, on the podcast. How's that sound?
1: Sounds beautiful. Um, all right, there you go. So yeah, be sure to do that. Uh, And then uh, follow me on, I guess we are saying X now, Zachary Smith, PGH. That's everywhere, though. Like Alan said, subscribe here, like here, hit that notification bell, too, so you know when we post a new episode of this, the practice sights and sounds. Derek and Matt doing their thing on Saturdays or Sunday. Is it going to be Sunday this week or will it still be Saturday?
0: I don't know. We haven't figured that out yet. Are we gonna do this Saturday this week? I see. I don't know. I have so many
1: questions. <laughs> there's a lot of there's a lot of moving parts right now. This Monday night game, man. It's throwing us off yeah. for what we're gonna do here. But well, a lot we've of moving got a parts. Monday
0: night game, a Sunday night game, two Thursday night games, and a Saturday game. So we're gonna figure them all out this year.
1: Yeah. Uh, but hey, if you hit that notification bell, it doesn't matter because you'll know as soon as something gets uploaded. So there you go. Uh, and if you're listening somewhere else, leave us a five-star review there. For Alan Saunders, I'm Zachary Smith, and we will see you next time. Thanks for jumping in and taking another ride on the Steelers Afternoon Drive.